Welcome to Ask the Dean. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, and I'm the co-founder of MAPT. I'm joined every week by Rachel Grubbs, the other co-founder of MAPT, who has 20 years experience in the pre-med and test prep world, and by Dr. Scott Wright, former executive director of TMDSAS and former director of admissions at UT Southwestern Medical School. Ask the Dean is a weekly Q&A we do live exclusively for our MAPT members, and this podcast is a recording of that session so that everyone can benefit from that knowledge. Let the knowledge flow. Ask MAPT episode 129. I am Dr. Ryan Gray from the MAPT and Medical School Headquarters team. We are here to answer your questions every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern hope you're all having a wonderful day wrapping up the end of the year finals are here hopefully you're taking a break to come hang out with us ask some questions and uh maybe learn a thing or two uh as always i'm joined by rachel grubbs my co-founder at mapped mcat test prep and pre-med expert for 20 or so years we won't say 20 plus that that ages is 20 or so years how you doing rachel I'm excellent. I talked to the sweetest student the other day. I was telling him about my 20 years experience and he was like, how did you have 20 years of experience when you're only 27? And I was just like, extra you points you for your brown nosing. <laughs> oh. uh, yeah, friends, when I started helping with the MCAT, it was paper and pencil and twice a year. I mean, yep. It was like a whole different animal. Like you don't become an expert and then that's it, right? You got to stay with the changes. <laughs> It was uh, a two. Yeah. It was a two-digit score too. Sorry. Yeah, it was. It went from two zero to four. And a letter. And a letter. A letter. So yeah, like that was it was like what was it J through S or something? Something H? random like that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it was like a twelve-letter scale, but in the mm-hmm. middle of the alphabet. It was so yeah. weird. Um, I think I got a twenty-seven N. If okay. I remember, I don't, I don't remember. You yeah, did okay. My writing, my writing was no no bueno. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway. Awesome, awesome. And yes, I, I was also a paper uh, MCAT test taker. <laughs> Marinia Granham, former assistant yeah. dean in the pre-health and STEM advising at Hofstra University. Yes. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great. Thank you. Happy to be here. Um, hopefully, you're all done with finals or getting through them as best as possible. Yeah. I, too, have been doing this for 20 <laughs> plus years. Um, the stress is still the same. <laughs> yes. So happy to be here. The stress, yeah. the excitement. Right. The details have changed. Human yes. psychology has not changed. Nope. And I, I love it. <laughs> yeah, I was born awesome. for this. Yeah. So as always, we are here to answer your questions. Go to mapped.tv. We should probably, I don't know, figure out, put it on uh, premed.tv at some point uh, more specifically. Um, go to premed.tv, ask your questions. If you go to uh, premed, TV, whatever, just ask questions wherever you want and we'll, we'll answer them uh, here on, on Ask Mapped. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's what we're here for. And don't forget mapped.com m-a-p-p-d.com is our free software platform 95 percent of of mapped is free you can track your gpa you can track your activities you can track um your mcat scores you can start working on your applications you can track your applications we have a, a new application tracker that came out uh just a few months ago uh, and we're working on part of mapped pro which is not free but still very much worth it uh, we're working on a new letter of recommendation platform where you can request, store, and transmit 
your letters of recommendation to the application services, request them from your advisors, your uh, professors, your physician friends, whoever you're requesting letters from, store them on my LORs and transmit them when you're ready to apply to medical school. We generally recommend getting letters the same year that you are applying, but it's so much nicer to be able to request them in January have them uploaded in January, have them QA'd by one of our mapped teams to make sure that there's letterhead, there's contact information, there's a signature, your name is correct. Uh, all of the things that the application services and medical schools are looking for, we're going to be QAing. And you will know in January, February, March, whenever those letters start coming in, that your letters are okay. And you're not waiting until the application cycle opens up in May to start getting those letters uploaded and the application services don't QA it. TMDSAS is a little bit different. They do a little QA stuff. Um, but the stress of not knowing <laughs> if those letters are good, um, I think it's worth uh, a couple bucks a month on top of the ability to chat with our expert advisors right inside of MAPT. Uh, Interfolio, other third-party letter of recommendation services don't give you access to the pre-med experts as well. So... Go check it out. My LORs is coming in the next few weeks and uh, go sign up for a free account at Mapped and use the promo code 30, a referral code it's called, uh, 30 days free. You can get 30 days access to um, Mapped Pro, which will give you access to chatting with us, the experts, supposedly. <laughs> supposedly hey, the experts, are. not supposedly we... access to chat. <laughs> <laughs> we are. No supposing about it. We oh, are the experts. All right, all right. Good stuff. So some people don't think we're experts, but <laughs> one person in particular who maybe, <laughs> may, maybe is a little green with jealousy. Maybe. He's okay, got, let's move he's on. Got some personal work to do on himself. <laughs> anyway, I mean, we all, all do. They, we some all of do. us have more to do. Some we of us do. don't even know we need to do the work. Exactly. All right. I got my two therapists. I'm good to go. Um, Terth asks, let me zoom in here a little bit. Terth asks, well, letter from an engineering, speaking of letters, uh, engineering professor be considered science. Can you please talk more about the science and non-science categorization for MD and DO schools? Rachel, this question comes up all the time because every medical school, and this is one of the most annoying parts of this process, every medical school has their own kind of set of requirements for what they want in terms of letters of recommendations. And the general kind of big rule of thumb that we give, the loose rule of thumb, is that two science, one non-science professor. Right. Um, but what counts as science, right? The DO world doesn't count math. Right. I don't know, I did air quotes math as science, right? The, the DO application does not consider math classes as science GPA classes. So does a calculus professor count as a uh, science letter? I, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, the frustrating answer is it depends. Um, <laughs> so if you're playing it safe, right? So Truth, if you want my simple, easy answer, I would say have your science letters align with the purest, oops, we're not ready for that question yet. Um, <laughs> have, have your science letters of rec align with the purest definition of science by that application service, right? Yep. So for AMCAS, which is MD or allopathic schools, and for Texas, the um, Texas Med and Dent Service, um, I would say you can do biology, chemistry, physics, or math. And for a Comus, I would say you could do biology, chemistry, or physics. Now, 
does that mean that if you just really don't have any good letters from those people or you think you have an amazing letter from an engineer and you can't use it? No, I would still probably get that letter. And then what I would do if I were you is start reaching out to med schools. It's always a good idea to ask these kinds of questions before you actually apply. Um, because once you're, once you're applying, sometimes those questions start to seem like, will you promise me my app is okay? As opposed to, I need the theory. Um, always start with reading the website, read it cover to cover. Don't ever ask them something you could have Googled. Um, and uh, thank you, whoever's showing the course classification guide. That gets it in the, into the kind of like what does and does not count um, as a science. According, This is AMCAS, so this is one app services definition. Um, engineering often is not considered a pure science. Now, I mean, we all know how darn hard it is. Um, but it is often a little bit more about problem solving and less about pure science. And I think in med school, when they're talking science, they're often talking about yeah, I mean, biology, chem, physics. So there's a long answer to say, can you use engineering? Yeah, but before you submit one, right? Getting the letter is one thing. Before you submit it, make sure you know what that app service says and what the med school itself says, because you're going to be able to get many individual letters and then choose which letters go to which schools. So if you think your engineering letter is going to be really strong, you can see here uh, we're on the ACOMA site now. We switched over that they list engineering in their, um, what's that, other sciences, right? Um, so it might be that you end up using it for your DOs, but maybe some of your MDs say, nope, that's not what I'm looking for. And again, don't just go by the application service, look at the individual med schools as well. Yeah, and that's that's probably one where just reach out to some of the schools and, and like if you're applying to 20 schools, reach out to five or 10 of them and just get a general feel. And if, if all of them are say, yeah, that's fine, that's fine, that's fine, make a general assumption that it's going to be fine with all of them. Uh, if it's split evenly, maybe you want to reach out to every school. It's, it's kind of annoying, especially if one of those engineering professors knows you very well um, and can write you a super strong letter. So you just have to kind of make it work. Yep. 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 Rhino. That was my nickname playing baseball. Uh, how important is the undergraduate college you choose in the pre-med process? Now, Verinia, you uh, coming from Hofstra, everyone wanted to come to Hofstra because of uh, its, yeah. its uh, intellectual uh, capability and, and prestige. Um, does this matter at all? It really doesn't. And a lot of folks wanted to go to Hofstra because of the medical school once that opened up as well. Um, you know, it's go to the school that you want to go to because you will be happy there, right? Yeah. Whatever that looks like for you, that's what you should focus on. It really doesn't impact um, what medical school you get into later. How it affects the pre-med process itself then you can kind of look and see, well, what support system is, is available for students um, who are pre-med? You know, what clubs are available? What opportunities are there to get involved? All those things um, you can kind of look into if you know for sure that's the path you want to go towards pre-med. Um, but ultimately, it comes down to go to where you're going to be the happiest. That's all. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. It's that easy, folks. Yep. Uh, unfortunately, everyone tries to make it so much harder than it is. Indeed. Oh, well. Jonathan asks, do you need to have clinical experience as one of your most meaningful activities? I love this question. It comes up 
all the time. What is considered most meaningful activity? Uh, first of all, only AMCAS and TMDSAS allow most meaningful designations for th at least three uh, or at most three of your ap um, activities. Mm -hmm. The answer is no. Uh, the the question that is typically asked is not what is most meaningful to you as a future physician, what is most meaningful to you on your path to becoming a physician. It's really the way that you should think about it. What is most meaningful to you as a human being on this planet? And so it may look a little weird if you don't have clinical because you're saying you're applying to medical school. And so... Um, my assumption is you probably will have a clinical experience as most meaningful, but do you have to? Nope. You don't. Jarell, non-tread here, taking prereqs at a four-year university, looking to transfer to another four-year university with a med school, UT. Is this advisable or look bad if I transfer a second time after going from community college to a four-year university? I love this question. There's a lot of misconception and myths around mm -hmm. what you can or shouldn't do. And does it look bad if you mm -hmm. transfer schools? And Rachel, in the grand scheme of things, how is this an issue? It didn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I think transferring is fine. Um, it, it seems like people think there's a stigma around this. Um, life happens, right? You're going to go to the school that you need to go to. So that might be what's close to home. It might be close to work. It might be what you can afford. It might be that you're military or your military spouse, or there's so many reasons to transfer schools. Um, it doesn't bother me at all. Uh, the one couple caveats I would give is um, just keep in mind that every time you transfer, even though med schools are going to want to see every course from every school you ever attended, sometimes when you transfer, you lose stuff, you end up having to retake it just because you're new school. So just like, you know, often transfers I find come from economy, make sure that it does still work out economically for you. Um, and then the other thing I would say is just generally, it seems like going from community college to four year is fine and going four year to four year is fine. I would advise you to be cautious of going four-year to community college, which you didn't put here, but I often like to answer kind of more context than is asked for. That doesn't have to be definitely bad if you go from four-year to community college, but sometimes it gives the look of, because there is sometimes still a little bit of stigma around community college, it can give the idea of, well, I was looking for an easier way to get a science. So mm -hmm. especially if you get a D in Orgo 2 at UT, and then you get I don't know, a C minus at another four year school. And then you go to community college and get your A and Orgo. Sometimes that doesn't have a good look. So I would just say once you go four year, try to stay four year. Yeah. I think the question here, Jarrell, that I have, especially with how the question is worded is I'm looking to transfer to another four year university with a med school. I just want to know what the motivation is for transferring to another university with a med school. And do you think there's some advantage there of getting into that med school if you're an undergrad at that med school? And I, I would be careful with big assumptions like that. And so really take a hard look at why you're doing what you're doing. If where you're at now, you're successful now, you're happy now. And it may not have a med school, but you can still find opportunities out in the community. There may be a hospital nearby, whatever. Um, just because you're out of school with a med school doesn't mean you're going to get into that 
med school. Mm-hmm. So Where's yes, it? obviously there's networking p- opportunities potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so just, just check some assumptions and make sure you're, you're doing things for the right reason. It's a really good point. And I think the important thing to keep in mind about sometimes people do think, oh, yeah, that's a feeder. If I work at that hospital that's mm-hmm. associated with the med school, if I go to the school associated with the med school, I'll get in. Maybe because maybe you're going to I mean, my niece, um, I'm not going to. Oh, wait, I have to be careful. Well, I already said my niece. Anyway, she's had a bunch of acceptances and she happened to know the president of the university of one of them. But that woman didn't even realize she was applying to her school until oh, my niece was like, I got in. So, anyway, um, but uh, the flip side is schools are wary of academic incest and schools want a diverse student body, which means lots of people from lots of different walks of life from different educational institutions. So I'm using diverse in the broadest possible term here. So it's not always a win to be at the home school because they're only gonna take so many students from the home school. Um, So I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it's neither bad nor good because there are pros and cons. Yep. Amy asks, on a couple wait lists, congrats. What's the stance on letters of intent or updates when on a wait list? Uh, It's one of the most common questions this time of year, especially if you're on a wait list post-interview wait list. Verinia, yay, nay, send, don't send. I say first check and see if the school accepts any sort of update letters, things like that. Um, You can find that information online. They, They will tell you if they don't accept them, don't waste your time. Um, I think it's worth looking through your um, schools right now, which which are the ones that you're currently waitlisted at and figure out, okay, which one would I really, really commit to going to and send them an update or send them a letter um, of, of, in- of intent and say, you know, I'm still interested. I really want to go here. It can't hurt. Um, but you also have to think it's just, they may not even read it. Right. So if it makes you feel a little bit better, fine, uh, but make sure you're in, um, intentional about it. You're not going to send them to all of them. Um, you want to look through those schools that you have are waitlisted for and really think closely, okay, where would I go? Where would I commit to? Updates are fine. Again, just check that they accept them. Yeah. Overall. What What is considered a bad update? Hmm. A bad update? Yeah. When you really have nothing new to report. <laughs> hey, everything's status quo here. Yeah, everything you've already written about in your primary and you're just yep. kind of saying the same thing again. That You know, it's hard to figure out like what's a, what merits an update. Um, but definitely just don't say, hey, still here, still waiting. Give them something meaningful. <laughs> I agree. Uh, yes, and. Oh, yes. Thank don't you. Don't make them scroll, friends. Like, sure, I, I, I get I get the impetus, impetus, right? I have it. Um, when I'm um, sharing a lot about my family, when I'm sending a letter like that, that I know they're not going to read a lot, I think about talking to my father who usually stops hearing me after about three sentences. So I might write 30 sentences and then I pick the three that matter the most. And those are the ones that I use. Yeah. Um, so I, you, you have a ton to say in your heart, you go right ahead, but make it short and sweet. And upbeat, not, oh my God, I'm so desperate. Why didn't you pick me? Like, yeah. play it cool, man. <laughs> there you go. Nice. I love it. I love it. Mohammed, what resources would I use 
and from where, like full lengths, if I have to retake the MCAT. Yeah, Rachel, MCAT test prep extraordinaire. A big question is, what did you do the first time, right? Word, word. Yeah, so, Mohammed, this is a great question. Word to your mother. Um, <laughs> sorry, yeah, it's, that was me and vanilla ice. <laughs> sorry. Um, ice, yeah, Mohammed, ice, I love this ice. question. There's no shame in having to retake the MCAT. Lots and lots of people have to. Um, it's like Ryan said, it's going to depend on what you used before. A long time ago, I picked up this factoid and I could not tell you the source now. So I, I don't know for sure if it's true. But what I have in my brain is that after about four and a half months, you can retake a practice test and have it seem like new. Now, I think your mileage may vary. So if you retake a practice test you've taken before and it's not just, oh, this passage seems familiar, but it's I remember this passage and I remember this question because I thought it was C, but it's really A. And then, yeah, it's too soon. You can't use that test, right? You can use it for practice, but not testing. But the AAMC are the best. So obviously use any AAMC that are remaining and consider retaking AAMCs if you think it's been long enough that they seem fresh to you. And then there are a lot of high quality third-party sources out there. Most students need additional exams. Um, we're big fans of Blueprint. Um, we do partner with them, but also we're friends with them because students always tell us that those exams are really good and reliable and a lot like the official, right? So it's it's not friendship first. It's the kids said, hey, that's a good one. <laughs> you know. Um, so we like Blueprint. Altis exams, Altius, um, I have some questions about the way they prep students, um, but I think their exams are often overlooked. Um, a lot of people love things like UWorld and Anki, and that's great for practice, but I do want to make sure that some of your source material are full-length practice exams. And then you only asked about resources, but here's where I'm going to remind you, testing conditions matter. So, of course, perfect testing conditions do not replace good prep. But when you've done lots and lots of prep and you're ready to take full lengths, I want you to get out of the house. I want you to put on shoes. I want you to wear whatever you would wear to a testing center. Go to a library. Go to a coffee shop. It shouldn't be somewhere 100% quiet because probably your test center won't be perfectly quiet. Practice with your earplugs or your big headphones, whatever your test center uses. You can call and ask them um, and really make yourself feel when do I eat? When do I take breaks? So that you're not just working through the academics of the testing. But what I want for you is when you go in on January 19th or March or whatever, it's just one more Friday, one more Saturday where you sit down to take an eight hour exam. Like you, your body is just like, I've got this. We've done it before. And good luck. Good luck. Good luck. Yes. Jason Q, if my prereqs are 15 years old, yikes, do you think there's less of a stigma as a non-trad taking online post-bac courses to show updated academics and GPA repair? No, I do not think there's less of a stigma. I think there may be more because um, you don't have recency in being in a classroom setting to show your academic ability. So buyer beware there. Short tweet. <laughs> Kevin, given that the average MCAT for Asian matriculants last year was a 514, would a 510 be considered too low for Asians? Lies, lies, and damn statistics. No, it's, it's lies, damn lies, and statistics. Sorry. Yep. Sorry, Mark Twain. 
Yeah. So, so Rachel, why why do you say that? Right. The the AAMC puts out this information that shows average MCAT scores based on on race and ethnicity. Um, uh, I, I look. Uh, I'm I'm all for uh, um, what do you call that? Uh, what what what's the supreme Supreme Court ruling on right now? Uh, affirmative action, action. Mm-hmm. right? Uh, there's a lot of wrongs that we we need to right in this country, um, but this is a result of of that sort of thinking, that sort of mentality. Is yeah, I, I'm going to be oppressed because I am a majority and not a minority. Or I'm a minority that's been given model minority burden, right? Mm-hmm. Which I think is part of what Kevin might be expressing. I mean, Kevin, you didn't use those words. I'm sorry if I'm projecting on you unfairly. Um, but it, I think it can be really tough to be a minority who's dealing with all the prejudices that are out there against you, but then also this one that's supposed to be like, yay, they're, you know, they're more academic. Again, I'm talking stereotypes and now it's working against you. Like, ah, it's gotta feel shitty. Here's the flip side. An average is a very meaningless number because it doesn't talk to you about range. Also, it's talking about matriculants, which is now a very selected group. We do talk about with med schools looking at 10th percentile and 90th percentile MCAT. So taking away the demographics for a minute, just all matriculants. Because if the average for a med school was 514, it might be that their 10th percentile was 506, which means 10% of the current med ones had below a 506. So one of the big reasons that I dislike the word average, it's, it's nothing personal against you, Kevin. It's just, I think a lot of people hear average and internalize cutoff. And mm-hmm. that's woefully wrong, right? It's so I just, I, you know, I mean, you know the math, you've hopefully taken statistics, so you know that's incorrect, but you have to internalize it. Um, the, the other piece is um, just because that's what happened last year doesn't mean that that's what's going to happen this year. Um, so uh, so my, past performance does not predict future results. Not in this case, right? No. Yeah. I, I, I mean, a in lot of times case. I think it does. Um, you think so? It, well, sometimes, yeah. I mean, okay. I don't know. We could talk about my dating life some other time. <laughs> Let me going that way. <laughs> well, maybe in dating. Uh, in my dating life and my habits, that's a whole other thing. But, but yeah, just we, um, what I want you to embrace, Kevin, is the idea that you're not being held to a special super high standard. Um, and, and you've maybe been told that you are. Um, but that's not actually the case. Um, I mean, we talk to directors of admissions all the time and, um, and that's not part of how they're thinking about this. Um, so, so there, I'm not denying that there may be some correlation between your upbringing and your MCAT score because zip code is a huge factor in MCAT score, right? Like there are social determinants, um, but someone's not going to look at your 510 and go, yeah he failed his race. Like that's just not, that's not how people think about MCAT scores. Yeah. So, so just to, to show what students are, are looking at here, this is table A18 from the AAMC. And we can see here um, mean and, and uh, standard deviations for different ethnicities for um, the chemistry, physical, biological sciences, car section, bio, biochem, uh, psych, soch, total MCAT, and then GPA as well. And you can see here, uh, this is um, applicants and matriculants, 
um, Asian here, 509.2. Um, uh, black or African-American, 497.4. American Indian, Alaska Native, uh, white, 507.9. Other there. And then obviously um, total. Um, so that this is the this first one is the um, applicant one. So you see here applicants, and then this next one is the matriculants. And so here's the number that uh, Kevin is pulling is five fourteen point four um, compared to kind of uh, everyone else at a five eleven uh, five thirteen. No, ah, keep scrolling five eleven point nine. There you go. So. So frustrating. JB, how do med schools view FAP recipients? Will outcomes make a mark this against me or even no? I guess I'm thinking that I may be ducked for it because I'll get a, quote, free pass to apply to their schools. Mm -hmm. This is one of those you're overthinking this way too much. Yeah, uh, they'll know uh, because the schools get notified when you're an FAP recipient because most schools will not charge you uh, a secondary fee if you're an FAP recipient. So they do know. And no, <laughs> don't, don't worry about it. No. Johnny, if you get paid for, non, uh, for a non-clinical job, teacher's aid, but donate all of the salary to an organization. Can you list it as community oh, no. service volunteering on AMPAS? No. No. No, John. <laughs> no. Sorry. <laughs> this just bothers me. No, no, no. That's not how this works. <laughs> That's not how any of this works. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Also, I didn't mean to. a weird way. Yeah. I mean, John, I'm sorry. I don't, yeah. I don't know anything about you, but that feels like a weird way of showing off the privilege of not needing money. Yeah, you know, and, like, and also just the assumption of of gamifying this of like, oh, I have to have yeah. clinic uh, community service volunteering, and so I'm gonna make something yeah. up. Yeah, you guys are getting craftier and craftier. Yeah, uh, here, here's the thing, and I say this as someone who was raised by educators, and also you know I talk to directors of admissions all the time. Um, there's no lie, there's no game you can play that they haven't seen before. So the odds of not getting caught are very low and the odds of losing their respect are very high. Just be authentic. Humans like authenticity. Humans do not appreciate being gamed. And you yourselves know this because, and I made a joke about my dating life before, but most of us have either dated or at least like had to make friends. And you've had a person in your life who was crazy about you, but kept sort of showing off to you. Like they were so insecure that they were like, I'm so great, spend time with me. And you just probably didn't vibe with them. And then the people that end up being your best friends are the ones that are just themselves around you and don't try to like constantly sell themselves to you, right? And that's human nature. That does not change with med school admissions. Just be the human that you are. That's it. Perfect. Uh, do medical schools count optometry tech that interacts with patients as clinical experience? So in general, it's impossible to say what every medical school will do, right, Verenia? But uh, what, do, what do you think? Generally, 
patient care experience involves caring for another person in some sort of a, a way that impacts their health. So I think very much that an optometry tech could count that as clinical experience. You know, you're um, taking, you know, readings and tests and doing things with the, with the patient. Um, so yes. <laughs> this one or this one? This yes. one? Yeah, or this exactly. One? But you help. Or this one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it still counts. <laughs> it counts. You're no, helping yeah. them I, figure out how to see best. Yeah, and and in general, right? What what students should do is, if there's any question, right? The the general question of how will medical schools view this is an impossible question to answer. Yeah. And so, what you need to do is adjudicate it, right? Make that decision for them, and then in the description, sell it as best as possible, showing what you're doing, interacting with these patients. Mm-hmm. And let them decide. We like that. We don't like that. And and this is just the best that you can do. Where what you shouldn't do is mark something as clinical, and then all of the description is about non-clinical stuff. Right. And helping them select frames and not count <laughs> as clinical. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I cry a lot when I select frames. It might count as therapy. <laughs> No, this color. No, this color. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Keep going. <laughs> Frank, uh, Dr. Gray, you often say that you just need to be, quote, good enough. Yes, I do. Academically to get into medical school. Is there an approximate GPA that you would say is the threshold for good enough? Somewhere between zero and four? <laughs> I don't know. Well, maybe not zero, but. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Bit of a stretch. Yeah. Rachel? Uh, I mean, Frank, it varies. And the reason it varies is it's going to depend med school to med school, year to year, based on your competition. Um, And it also depends on the school's mission. So there might be a school out there that just as an example, this is one example, this is not like a rule, says we prefer candidates with 3.2 or higher. And you think, oh, no, I have a 3.1, I shouldn't apply to them. But if they also say we care a lot about rural medicine and people who want to serve in rural areas. And you grew up in a holler in West Virginia or East Kentucky, and you've done all your clinical work in those hollers or hollows for those of you who don't know, um, <laughs> you know, then maybe you should still apply to that school because even though your GPA isn't exactly what they said they prefer, you know, you're really in line with the mission. The other thing, and I can see Ryan getting ready to share mapped, which is great is your cumulative doesn't always reflect your current work. So many of the students that we work with are non-traditional and they might have a lower GPA, but recent work that shows who they are. So you can see um, in this um, pretend student whose name is conveniently upward demo. um, So that might give you a hint of what we're going for here. This student had a first term where they had below one point, right? They just really struggled that first fall still struggled a little bit for a couple more semesters and then started by like summer 20 to kill it. And you can see the gray columns are the number of credits. So there's like one term where they only took a class or two and did well, but then they were taking full loads and they were getting 39740. So a 336, this 336 where I see lots of credits that are really great grades is a different 336 to me than one where we're bouncing up and down all four years. Um, so it, there's just not a firm number. I can't say it needs to be 3.3 three or 3.5 or 3.2 or 3.0. Oh. 
or two nine even, um, because it's about your trend. Um, it's about the number of credits you have. It's about your history. And it's also not just about GPA. Yeah. So here's, here's a very similar GPA with a very different story. Right. So upward, upward demo example, I'm excited about them applying and downward demo. I feel like, Hey, I need to know what's going on with you. And you know, you only have four credits senior year. Maybe you're not done. What are you going to do to turn around this trend? Um, so what I will say, though, Frank, and Ryan mentioned this at the top, is if you use MAPT, which you can use for free, um, in your free trial of the pro level, or if you choose to upgrade to MAPT Pro, you can not only do that GPA calc. So everyone for free can do that calculator and look at those trends. If you're in your free trial or you're just a MAPT Pro user for 10 bucks a month, then you can enter all that stuff and then message us. And it's us. It's me, Verenia, Ryan, Courtney, Scott. It's the advisors we're checking those messages and we reply within about a business day. And the number one most popular question we get is, would you please look at my GPA and help me analyze my trends? And we are happy to do it. Yep. 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 30 days free. Use that referral code. <laughs> Lulu, I haven't heard back from uh, my in-state schools, Michigan. I also haven't followed up with them. Should <laughs> I? Uh, to those that allow it. Thanks. Yeah, so we covered this uh, already a little bit. If they allow it, uh, Lulu's got a, a great follow-up question there to those that allow it. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, she's aware of that. Yeah. If they allow it and you have something useful to update them on, rock and roll. Daniel Newman. Hello, Newman. I talked about how my medical condition ignited my interest in medicine in my personal statement. Should I send a personal update saying that my condition has not affected my recent academic professional work? Vernia, wouldn't a transcript say that? Yeah, I was just thinking. Um, I, this isn't something that you would need to update on. I wouldn't worry about it. Um, yeah, the transcript would show that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this 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 might be one of those like I want to do something. I want to hear back from them in some way. Um, I think you're good. You don't need to update them on this. Nice. Yeah. All right. RM in uh, is mid thirties. Too late to start medical school. There was a ninety year old that just graduated yeah. college a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I no. just I just did an interview prep with a gentleman who's fifty. So. Nice. Yeah, it's got four he knew, interviews. He knew up. how to use a computer, Verinia. <laughs> I love that Jason Ouch. responded in the chat to RM. Hope not. I'll be at 36. Thanks, Jason. Yes, exactly. Love it. Go, Crush go it, Jason. on with your bad self. <laughs> yeah, and and honestly, the the majority of students I, I would say that we work with as an advising company are, are non trads mm -hmm. who don't have access to an advising uh, advising. They they are a lot of super non trads who are working with a. 40 something or low 50 something year old lawyer who's who's applying to medical school this year so um yeah that there is no age too old to go to medical school yeah yeah and it, it's interesting too because what i see and this is anecdotal right i don't have stats on it but it seems like to me the people who are most worried about it are mid late 20s people it's like by 30s, you realize, mm -hmm. well, I'm going to age anyway, so I might as well lead the life I want to live. Right. But there's this, I hear a lot of like, well, the average matriculation to med school is 24 and I'm going to be 26. So that's too late. I'm like, it's, it's just, it's not. Um, 
And in my experience as a 40 something, each decade just gets better and better. Like I never would have seen that coming. I was one of those kids that was terrified of being old. I couldn't imagine life past 30. And my 30s were so much better than my 20s and my 40s have been amazing. Um, Aging's pretty cool. And I'm glad that as I've aged, I've gotten braver and made bolder decisions. And I think a lot of people who get turned away from the pre-med path got turned away because life got in the way or because they had imposter syndrome. And if now you're old enough to realize I was smart enough, I just got busy or I didn't know how to study or I didn't have the money, but now I have those things, like go for it. Yep. Yeah, there was some study that came out recently. I don't know how super scientific or whatever it was. I'm trying to find it uh, real quick. Um, That basically was uh, those who decide to make a change are happier than those who don't, no matter what that change is. I believe that. Um, So do it. (laughs) Sorry, I just had to see also America's divorce rate, but that's probably a whole different topic. Not really. <laughs> Not really. It's, it's the same topic. Uh, people get married for the wrong reasons. Uh, and so, yeah. Yeah, I'm not saying divorce is good. I'm saying fixing your mistakes is good. Redirecting yourself, choosing a new path is good. <laughs> yeah. Andrew asks, I got an engineering job at a lucrative gas oil company and plan to work there for two years starting after graduation this spring, currently completing clinical hours and have all prereqs. Will this hurt my app? Will what hurt your app? Only if you don't try to continue your clinical hours, maybe. I don't know how demanding this job might be, but you want to try to at least maintain some kind of, you know, connection to patients in some way. But other than that. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting that <clears throat> the specific language, and may, maybe I'm nitpicking it here, but maybe that's the question. Currently completing mm-hmm. clinical hours, like I'm almost done with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, that will hurt your app if if you're applying to medical school and it's been a couple of years since you have any clinical experience, et cetera. Um, the, the prereq side of it potentially may help being out of school. A lot of, a lot of admissions committees want to make sure that you still have a a foot in the door academically as well, making sure that you, you still like being a student. You still kind of, uh, your brain is working in that way. So random online class potentially for those reasons, Mm -hmm. uh, not specifically for GPA enhancements or doing prereqs may help. Um, but yeah, going and getting a job and doing all that stuff, a, a non-clinical job is perfectly fine and keep doing some other things as well. Yep. Shazia, can you please explain again, can you please again tell how medical schools look at GPA? Um, any way they want. Yeah, any way they want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so all of the information that you put into your application um, or put into mapped uh, medical schools get every single data point and they have software that filters sorts it accidentally sends acceptances to students. Um, (laughs) This it happens all the time. It's so Um, weird. Yeah. Uh, The, they are slicing and dicing and sorting and filtering and doing whatever they want, however they want. So to ask this question about how do medical schools look at GPA, it's impossible to answer because they look at it however they want. Uh, But in general, what we talk about is 
trends, right? It, it, so if you are on the lower end GPA wise, three, two, three, three, um, make sure that you have an upward trend, not a downward trend or just a flat uh, trend. And uh, obviously from a science GPA perspective, because medical school is science classes, uh, you need to show that you're academically capable of doing well in science courses as well. Uh, Osant, I got a C plus on my load vision class in my post back because I misunderstood the instructions on the final and got an F. Ouch. My post back advisor will give me a letter of rec saying what happened. How will med school see this? They will see a C plus. Yeah. One grade does not make or break your experience. I've seen a lot of these questions this week, Asant, so I don't think it's just you. I think it's finals time and people are panicking. The year may be the third or fourth question, just in you know the various pre-med groups that I'm in, where someone has said, I tanked this or I think I'm going to take my final and now is my medical career over. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, it's not great that you got a C plus and a post back. I don't know if you're a career changer, if you were already doing it for an upper trend. Well, you said it was a lower division. So it sounds like it might be the first time you took it. Um, C pluses aren't so low that you have to retake them. Most med schools consider C minus or lower, not fulfilling the prereq. Yep. Um, I don't know that I would waste a letter of rec on one bad grade. I was going to say that, that. That, yeah. Thank you, Verenia. Chime in. No, sorry. The, the school's not going to know that they failed the final. They're just going to see the C plus. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's just a C plus. Yeah, my bigger concern for you is you're that far along in your academic career, you misunderstood instructions. Was that just a bad day for you? Mm. Is this a pattern you have that sometimes mm -hmm. when you test, you get too anxious to think clearly? I, I'm way less concerned about the one grade or whether or not it's a letter and more about are you reflecting and are you thinking about what you're going to do differently? Yeah, so today's episode of the old pre-meds podcast was should I re retake bio when I got a C plus? Uh, and this Me was a, uh, a <laughs> full conversation about retaking courses, not just specifically bio, but uh, retaking courses and when and all that fun stuff. So oldpremeds.com or something. I don't know. Go go find old pre-meds podcasts and whatever you listen to podcasts in Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, et cetera. Yep. All right. Hey, hey, hello, everyone. I worked as a supervisor for a wheelchair company at the airport, and my primary role was to assist passengers with a wide, wide range of disabilities. Can I list this as medical clinical experience? Hmm. Patient transport in an airport. That's important. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, patient transport to me seems gray. Because sometimes it's so clinical and sometimes it's not. Yep. And um, AA, sorry, your name is like, I'm thinking like, hello, my name is. Um, <laughs> Are you friends with Bill? <laughs> yeah, Bill W. Um, I, I'm just thinking it might depend on what you did. You know, like uh, one time well, someone said patient transport and I heard like just pushing them in a wheelchair when they were checked out. And I was like, oh, that's not clinical. Yeah. And then the person was like, these are fully disabled people who need to be carried off their bed into an MRI machine. And I was like, oh, that is that is clinical. <laughs> right. And hopefully at an airport, you're not being that touchy, but it might it might be. It might be yeah, clinical. It could be. 
I, I think it's a gray area. And if you want to list it as clinical, list it as clinical. And then in the description. Yeah. Make sure, make sure it reads as clinical. Yeah, we're always joking about like, we're going to make a game show that's Is It Clinical? We have isitclinical.com that's currently just a waiting list. And I, I am going to try to figure out a way to quantify it and give you guys a wizard. But here's the thing. It's always going to be, it depends. What did you do? Right? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm never going to know. I'm just going to ask you questions that make you talk through it out loud. Mm -hmm. You're going to know. Yeah. Yep. Slickenzie. <laughs> it's like Spicoli. Slickenzie. <laughs> um, I just graduated. I, I think uh, everyone's too young for a Spicoli reference. Uh, I just graduated and have no shadowing or letters of recommendation. Should I just start shadowing doctors and try to get letters from past professors, even if we wasn't close? Uh, yeah. You're gonna you're gonna need letters. Uh, letters from professors. If you're not close, they're not going to be very good letters. So you'll have to figure out what to do there. Mm -hmm. yep. Brittany, any, any thoughts? I don't think you're ready to apply either. Um, if that's the thing that you're thinking of doing right now, since you're asking about letters. Um, yeah. It's more than just the letters. It's a lot there yeah. to unpack. So, and the no shadowing. Well, and I, I worry because again, so Kenzie, I don't, you, you wrote what you wrote. A lot of times people say I don't have shadowing, I don't have volunteering. And what they mean is I don't have clinical and shadowing is different than volunteering mm -hmm. and clinical. So I just, I wonder if you have clinical experience, whether it's mm. paid or not paid and clinical experience is different than shadowing physicians. So um, there's a pre-med 101 article on the medical school HQ website. I can post the link in the comments um, or maybe, maybe one of the behind the scenes folks can find it for us. Um, but you may want to start there just so you can get a quick overview of the whole pre-med process. And I'm sorry if I'm making assumptions, maybe you know all this and you just didn't mention it cause you're on it. The other thing you can do if you want really in depth is so this guy who's in your top left corner, he wrote this book. Uh, Ryan's looking around. It's pretty detailed. It's like one of the thicker ones. So what is this three, 310 pages? the entire medical school application process. I feel like this name is slightly off target because it is the application process, but it's also the pre-med path. So this is a great read for someone who just wants to make sure they understand how to be a pre-med. There you go. Currently trying to fulfill clinical hours. I'm an EMT certified, but currently working as a, quote, on-site medical representative at an Amazon warehouse doing primarily first aid care. Is this good experience? Yeah. If you're conducting first aid, yeah, right? Assuming you're there to, you know, um, we don't, uh, sorry, blanked for a second. The setting doesn't matter, right? It's what you're doing there, mm -hmm. right? You're providing first aid, you're an on-site medical representative, whatever that looks like. Um, of course, yeah, it's good experience. Shouldn't be your only experience, but it's good experience. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. Uh, I just, I've heard so many horror stories about Amazon warehouses right. and I'm like, they, they work until they pass out, they're not allowed to pee. And then they finally get so bad that you're allowed to help them. So I'm, I'm glad you're there, but I, I don't know. It mm -hmm. seems weird. Um, I guess it's no different than having a school nurse. You have that mm -hmm. many bodies in one place. You should have a health person on mm -hmm. staff. Um, 
but yeah, I hope that you're allowed to do good in that role. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, I'm not questioning you at all, but mm. <laughs> sounds like a horror show. <laughs> Zach asks, uh, I'm a non-tried pre-med with MS in engineering with an MS in engineering. Uh, I started, uh, I'm starting my prereq at a community college. Is this okay? Some med schools require biochem at four year college. Can I take it at a community college? I think you answered your own question there. <laughs> if some schools require it uh, at a four-year college, then you maybe can't apply to those schools or maybe ask for a case-by-case -case, um, waiver uh, to, to take it at community college. So in general, uh, depending on what your academic record is before, doing your prereqs at a community college will, will likely be okay. I know we're not going to have time for all the questions that we still have starred, but if we could do Andrew's, it just came in. That might be a good final question for the day. Um, I can grab it if you don't see it, Marissa. It's at the bottom. Thank you. Andrew asks, should I begin preparing for the next cycle if I didn't get any interviews this cycle? <sighs> Rachel, you, you uh, were drawn to this question. Yeah, because much like the the final grade question and the what if I'm not ready for the MCAT in January question, this is another seasonal kind of hot topic. Yep. A lot of people are coming to us with this question right now. And my answer is, yes, you should be preparing for the next cycle and also don't give up hope. So what I recommend for Andrew and for anyone else, so whether you if you haven't gotten any interviews or if you've had interviews with rejections or interviews and it's been several months and you haven't heard back yet, at least start thinking, what if I did have to reapply? What would I do differently? And the reason I want you to think about that now is that gives you about five months to fix any gaps. So um, maybe, um, maybe you took your biochem at a community college and you realized you applied to a bunch of schools that were four year. So now that said it had to be four year, right? I'm using the example of the last question. So now you can decide, do I want to take biochem again at a four year just to tick that box? Or do I want to take those schools off my school list? Um, so yeah, did you foul out on the technicality on anything? Is your clinical week and you need to go get more clinical paid or volunteer experience? Um, do you need to retake the MCAT? There's no right or wrong here. I don't know what you specifically need, Andrew, but if you watch application renovation, Ryan does a lot of deep dives. That's a great way to get insight. We're also doing a free workshop series right now. So it's um, it's Thursday nights. There's one tomorrow um, and then one next week. And then again in January is the last one. Um, but we're doing a free workshop series that is essentially getting ready for the next application cycle. And it's for first time and reapplicants. So that's something free you can attend to just get some better insight. And really, you know, again, it's going to vary. So you have to do your own analysis or, or come to a resource like us for help with analysis to decide if I had to reapply, what are the things that could give me a stronger application by May? And then still hope because people will get interviews January, February, March, April. People will get acceptances as late as April or May. And um, Ryan and I know someone who got off two different wait lists the first week of July this year. I mean, it was so wild. Like getting off one wait list is amazing. She got off two in the same week. So she actually, she didn't have to say yes to the first one before she knew she had another choice. Like her, I mean, it's an amazing anecdote, right? It's rare, but I'm saying those things happen. So you can hold out hope while preparing for your next steps. Yeah. 
Yeah, bam. And with that, um, workshop, premedworkshop.com. Thursdays, we're for the next couple of weeks, we're skipping a week that last week of the year. Uh, premedworkshop.com, Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern. Um, what else? We're here every Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern with uh, the Mapton Medical School HQ team. Don't forget to go sign up for a free Mapped account. We were showing it earlier, tracking GPA, activities, MCAT scores, applications, all of that fun stuff, and much more free account, mapped.com, M-A-P-P-D.com. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next time here on Ask Mapped, or whatever we're going to be named in the future. <laughs> Have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. This is Dr. Gray again, closing out. I hope you learned something from our session today. If you haven't yet checked out Mapped, I invite you to try it for free for two weeks by going to mapped.com slash podcast. Track and navigate your journey to medical school using the only tool like it for pre-meds. We'll see you next week here on Ask the Dean.